You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. So we'll be in Colossians chapter 3 today. Uh, I want to uh, just pray a quick word of blessing and ask the Lord to bless our time. So let's do that. Father God, thank you for thank you for this letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Colossians, and specifically thank you God for the message of the gospel, which um, uh, has so saturated the the writings of the Apostle Paul, and especially this topic of what it means to be a new person in. Christ Jesus in chapter 3 that we've been looking at now for the last couple of weeks. Lord, thank you for that message. And I pray, God, this morning that you would uh, purify my motives, purify my words and my preaching, purify my mind and my heart as I uh, attempt and labor to communicate this passage in our midst. I also pray for uh, uh, everyone who is gathered here, God, that you would um, open uh, their hearts and, and, and uh, reveal to them the way in which you would speak to them through this passage today. And I pray, God, that you would uh, cultivate, um, uh, cultivate uh, just a newness of heart in each of us. Um, help us to hear from you, to be refreshed in you, to be challenged by you. Help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in the message of the cross of Christ by which we come to find our acceptance and wholeness. So God, I pray that you would do those things. I believe that you would do them and that you will. Help us to encounter you in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, 
There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful but the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So three weeks ago, we began this short series uh, examining what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian church uh, in regards to what it means to be a new person. And in verses 1 through 9, in that first week, we uh, kind of unpacked what it means to be a new person with a new mindset, a new focus, having your mind set or focused on Something new, something different than what it used to be set on. Something new, not old. Talked about what it means to be a new person who uh, puts off the old person. Meaning that there is an old way of life that we were used to. An old way of thinking that we were um, conditioned for. Um, that we now need to put off. That was kind of week one. New mindset. Put off the old person. Get your mind focused on Christ. Take off your old self. And uh, in week two, looked at verses 10 through 14. Uh, we learned what it means to be a new person who then puts on the new person. What does it look like for you and I to not only have a new mindset and to take off the old self, but then to walk in a newness of life? What does it look like for you and I to have new desires, to have uh, new thought patterns, to have new habits in our life. What does that look like for us to put that on? Like clothing. <coughs> and then this week, <clears throat> as we look at verses 15 through 17 and wrap up this short series, we're going to really focus on verses 15 through 17, the last three verses of what I just read. And what we're going to look at is what it means to be a new person who is filled with gratitude towards God. A new person who is filled with gratitude towards God. To tie it all together, um, I, I would say that the big idea of what Paul is teaching and preaching in this passage is that a Christian is literally someone who is a new person with a new mindset, 
who puts off the old person, puts on the new person, and that new person that we put on is then filled to overflowing, filled to the brim, saturated, leaving footprints in our society of gratitude towards God. A picture that comes to my mind, even in this moment, is a picture of what it means to be a priest in the Old Testament. One of the things that would take place as you became a priest, which, by the way, now in Christ, every one of us is a priest. According to Peter, we are part of a royal priesthood. Christ Jesus being our chief priest who goes before us in the throne room of God and comes before the Father, then makes us a part of this royal priesthood. Royalty, right? One of the things that happens in the Old Testament is when you become a priest, you get anointed with oil. You think of David, maybe. You remember the story of David. And you might remember how the prophet Samuel came looking for David and began to think, man, I think, I think maybe, maybe that guy could be keen. Maybe that guy could be keen. Maybe that guy could be keen. Um, but then God said, no, it's David. David is the one you're looking for. And what Samuel does is then he anoints David. And when he anoints David, he literally takes a bucket of oil. In our day, would have been a, called a horn of oil for them. Basically takes a bucket of anointing oil and dumps it over his head. And what happens to a priest then is they are, they are flowing with oil. And when they walk, they would leave oily footprints. And there is a connection to that for us as believers today in that wherever you walk in relationship with others and in community should leave oily footprints. And the footprints that you leave should be overflowing with gratefulness to God. What does your life overflow with? Do you have a new mindset? Have you put off the old person? Are you actively, day in and day out, putting on the new person? Are these the footprints you leave in the community that we live in? Are these the footprints that characterize your heart and life? Are, are the relationships that you are engaged in, is there evidence and proof that you have a new mindset, that you put off the old person, that you're putting on the new person, that you possess a heart that is filled to overflowing with gratitude towards God? This is what it means to be a new person in Christ Jesus. The question we might ask is, how do we, how does the new person then possess or obtain a life? How do you get a life, right? How do you get a life that overflows with gratitude towards God? So I would say that gratitude is the natural outflow or the natural overflow, like a bucket that is overflowing underneath a pump of water that is running. Right? How does that bucket of your life begin to overflow with gratitude towards God? I, I would say that gratitude is the natural overflow of the heart of a person 
who's been made new in Christ Jesus. If you are here this morning and you have heard the message of the gospel and you have surrendered your life to God in Christ at the cross, then your life will naturally begin to overflow with gratitude, thankfulness to God. Gratitude is the natural overflow of the heart of a person who has encountered the cross of Christ. And not just encountered the cross of Christ one time, but has continued to encounter the cross of Christ moment by moment and day by day. How, how could you and I ever make it through this life without encountering the cross of Christ moment by moment and day by day. How could you and I ever make it through this life without, in effect, being a bucket under the flow from an ongoing pump that has been left on in your life? If, if we're lacking gratitude towards God, then it would be my argument that the, that the reason we lack in gratitude towards God is because the flow of that pump has been turned off. Or it's been redirected. Something else is flowing into the bucket of your heart and my heart. Something else is then flowing out in contrast to the gratefulness that should overflow. What I'm saying is that a new person in Christ Jesus possesses a life that basically hides in the shadow of the cross and then overflows with gratitude towards God. And, and the, the way that that happens is that your heart is now ruled by the peace of Christ. Not only ruled by the peace of Christ, but it's filled with the word of Christ which then enables you and I to do everything in word or in deed, which is the words that Paul uses here, enables us to then do everything, everything we say, think, do in the name of Christ. Those are the three points if you're into writing down points, which I hope you are, or at least becoming. Number one, gratitude towards God is the overflow of the peace of Christ. Number two, gratitude towards God is the overflow of being filled with the word of Christ. And number three, gratitude towards God becomes obvious when you do everything in the name of Christ. And the Apostle Paul says... Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Not like he's saying, and be thankful as kind of like a postscript to the end of something important he just said. It actually in, in, infiltrates or permeates everything the Apostle Paul says in these last three verses. It says, be thankful in effect three different times, letting us know this is really important. This is the thread, the central thread of what Paul is saying now towards the end of what he says about being a new person. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. 
And when the peace of Christ rules your hearts, <clears throat> gratitude towards God is the fruit that will characterize your life. When the peace of Christ rules your heart, gratitude towards God will characterize not only your life, but your relationships. See, Jesus Christ established peace between us and our Father in heaven through His work at the cross. At the cross, the price was paid. It was paid for our war crimes against our Heavenly Father in heaven. At the cross of Christ, we moved out of the crosshairs of God's wrath and into then the overflowing fountain of God's love. Where, 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 where is the bucket of your heart centered at in these moments? What is flowing into the bucket of your heart? What rules the bucket of your heart? What is filling it? What is it full of? What overflows? What comes out? What is seeping around the edges of your heart? Is, is, it, is it the fountain of God's love? With this, this truth, I think, applied over and over and over and over and moment by moment throughout every day to our hearts results in the overflow of gratitude towards our Father in heaven. And no, notice the language of, of surrender. Notice the language of surrender in what Paul says here. He says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Surrender your heart to the rule and the reign of the peace of Christ. Think about the way he's putting this thought together. Surrender your heart to the rule and reign of the peace of Christ. Surrender the throne of your heart's will to the peace of Christ. Surrender the throne of your heart's desire to the peace of Christ. Surrender the throne of your heart's dreams to the peace of Christ. Think about your will. Your will is your decisions. This is what you aim to do. Your will is your mindset. It's what you set your mind to do today. The will is your decisions. Think about your decisions. Think about your desires. Think about your dreams. Paul says, surrender the throne of your will and your dreams and your desires to the rule and the reign of the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. What is it that rules your heart right now? When you walked in this morning, when you began listening to this message, when you began to worship through song earlier, when you greeted someone that walked in, and when you greeted somebody when you walked in, what was ruling your heart? What desires ruled your heart? What dreams ruled your heart? Do you desire a better marriage? Do you dream about a better family? Do you wish that you had a better home? Do you dream about having a different life than the one that you have now? 
Do you dream about what it would be like if everyone just did what you wished they would do? You dream about being your own person, the person that you see in your mind. You dream about your pursuit of more stuff and more status. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. How? How? Isn't that the logical question to ask next? Right? Like if I'm you and I'm sitting in your seat, that, that would be the question I would ask. I hope it's the question you're asking. Yeah, great preacher. Thanks for expounding the truth that the peace of Christ should rule my heart. Bingo, bango. I'm on my way home now. Thanks a bunch. How does somebody do that? What does that look like in my day-to-day life? How do I practice daily surrender to the rule and the reign of the peace of Christ? And I'm a big fan of expositional preaching and expositional study, which means that in my study, as I study the Word of God, when those questions come up, I, I, want, to, I want to look first and foremost to see if the answer is right there, staring at me in the text, right? Is, is it right here? Do I need to look somewhere else in God's Word? Or, or can I just find it right here? So when, when, when the original author, the Apostle Paul, writes this, does he leave me hanging or does he give me the answer right here? Now here's the problem. For many of us, because we're um, living in the culture we live in today, in the American culture, where relativism, meaning what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me and there is no real truth, it's all gray, because we are, we are just permeated with that, saturated with that, uh, you and I will have a tendency to look elsewhere for the truth on this. <laughs> the other thing in our culture that permeates how we think and see things is something called um, uh, pluralism, meaning there can be multiple truths on a certain topic, like saying, what color is my shirt? And somebody might be like, it's black. Oh, good job, it's black. And then somebody else may be like, no, it's blue. Oh, well, I, I'd hate to step all over your toes. And, and I'm, I'm assuming somebody did say blue, that's why you're laughing. Um, I'd hate to step all over your toes and tell you something that's not true, right? Um, and so because we live in this kind of society where this is the way we um, approach truth, um, then when we approach God's word, and we'll say, well, we're looking for the truth here, um, but only the truth that I want to receive, Right? Um, so back to being a pretty firm believer that the immediate texts typically gives us the answers we're looking for. I think the Apostle Paul does exactly that. My hope is that we, um, in the culture that we are raised in, having the issues that we have in our hearts, are able to receive uh, what the Apostle Paul says here. And here's what I'll tell you. <coughs> Though preaching is powerful for um, the believer's life, and I believe in that wholeheartedly, otherwise I wouldn't stand in this pulpit, um, your, your heart won't receive what's, what's in this text unless the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do so. So that's my prayer. The Holy Spirit would give you that. Here's the clue. Paul says, To which you were called in one 
body to which you were called in one body. Surrender to the rule. In other words, surrender to the rule and the reign of the peace of Christ deep within the throne room of your heart, right? And surrender to the peace of Christ because it is to this surrendered posture that you and I have both, not just you, not just I, but you and I both have been called in one body. It is this surrendered posture that each of us has been called to in one community, one family. We are called together into the surrendered community of the peace of Christ. This is not a journey that you get to walk alone. God did not call you to walk alone. If he did, he would not have sent his son to the cross alone for you. This journey of surrendering to the rule and the reign and the peace of Christ was never meant to be walked alone. When Christ died at the cross, he surrendered his life so that individuals like you and I could come to him in faith that he writes upon our hearts and creates deep within us so that we could surrender our lives to the peace that he won for us. The language of the scriptures is, is not you or I primarily. It is you and I becoming us in one body. I think I said this last week too. The interesting thing about the way that the scriptures are laid out, especially the epistles, when the apostles write, they're not writing to you single people. They're writing to communities, people within the community. These, these books, these epistles, uh, letters written by an apostle, apostle called by God to preach, teach, write scriptures, right? When they wrote these letters, they were writing to a group of people. And when that letter would, would come in, they would stand, the leaders would stand and read them front to back in the hearing of the community. You and, I, you and I here in America are fairly spoiled. You can go on your phone and get your Bible right now. There are still places of the world where these are not available. Not available. And yet you and I have the privilege to gather like this multiple times a week, hear the reading of the Scriptures. Now put yourself in the place of the Colossian church when Paul writes this. They would not have had printed forms, cell phones. All they had was each other and the gospel. And when they got these letters, do you, can you imagine how excited they would be to come together and to hear these letters read and then later preached and expounded and explained? Can you imagine how excited they would be? Why? Because the peace of Christ was now ruling their hearts to overflowing in their midst, to which they were called in one body. 
When Jesus died at the cross, he surrendered his life so that individuals like you and I could come to him by faith. The faith that he writes on our hearts, gives to us, and creates in us so that our lives could then be surrendered to the peace that he won for us so that we could then live in the context of community, in the context of family. Cross of Christ is where Jesus surrendered his life willingly. This picture of surrender in this, let the, let the peace of Christ rule as you and I surrender. That picture is a mirror image and a model of what Christ did at the cross for you and I. We are asked to surrender the same as he surrendered himself for you and I. When you and I surrender to community with one another, what happens? Now we find all sorts of rough edges, right? Right? Abe begins to realize that Joe can at times be a jerk who has real high expectations of others. Right? Um, uh, sometimes Joe finds that Tyler talks too much. Right? Um, this is what happens in community. We rub on each other. It's important to be surrendered to the peace of Christ in community. This place that, that Paul says we were called to in one body. This is the place that, that the dividing wall of hostility between us and our Father in heaven is lived out. Hear that. The dividing wall of hostility between you and I and our Father in heaven was torn down. Uh, there was a veil that represented this in the temple when Christ died at the cross. That veil was ripped in half, representing that the thing that separated us from God, the thing that separated us from being in community, in relationship with God, was torn down by the surrendered posture of Christ at the cross. Why I say, you and I, don't have to carry a literal, physical cross. When life gets hard for you and I, when conflict reaches all-time high, when your hurt deep down inside goes so deep because of what someone did or said, you can say to yourself, I am not carrying a cross right now, physically or literally. But symbolically, you and I have been called to carry a cross. And that's the picture of what it means to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts as we are called together in community, right? In one body. The new person is filled with gratitude towards God. And this is the overflow of the peace of Christ ruling and reigning the throne room of our hearts, decisions, desires, and dreams. And point number two is that gratitude towards God is the overflow of the word of Christ. <laughs> gratitude towards God is the overflow of the word of Christ. Apostle Paul says in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. One of the things I love about when I call Brandon or Eric on the phone is when they answer the phone, they answer it by singing songs to me. You guys believe that? Like, I tell you all the time, you need to watch out for when I'm lying to you. Probably half of what I say is wrong. Okay? Neither one of those guys has ever answered the phone by singing songs to me. <laughs> Listen, when the word of Christ dwells in each of us richly, when the word of Christ dwells in each of us richly, then gratitude towards God is what will characterize our teaching. When the word of Christ dwells in each of us richly, gratitude towards God is what will permeate our correction of one another. <coughs> when the word of Christ dwells in each of us richly, Gratitude towards God is what will saturate the wisdom that every one of us speaks to one another. Catch all the one another's. Like, you and I cannot do the gospel life without one another. Can't. Do you know how much you have to cut out of the scripture to try to make it just solely about you? <laughs> all of it. All of it. Right? As much as I'd like to go be a monk and crawl in a hole and just have my books, it's an incomplete walking out and living out of the gospel, right? I can go live on top of a pole for years all by myself. An awesome set of commentaries on my desk that I really love. And part of the reason that I love them is that I get to dictate how much they speak back to me. I get, to I get to be the ruler of my heart, and I get to dictate how much they speak back to me. I get to dictate how much of what is being said in those commentaries actually permeates and saturates my heart. Me alone, with my little Bible, I get to play God with God's Word. How about that? That's my issue. And I would, I would lay forth that it is all of your issue too. So what we want most is to be like God, right? And not be like God in the sense that we become like Him in His good character attributes, like Him in the sense that we want to be Him. So Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just take out the one another. Who would you be teaching if you don't have the one another in there? Why would wisdom be important if there was no one another's? Who cares what's wise? You just... Be like the judges. Everyone does what is wise in his own sight. This is the problem with American culture and the world and the sinful heart of man today anyways, is we all just do what we think is 
wise in our own eyes. I do me, you do you. Make sure you don't step on me and we'll be okay. There's no one another's, right? Who would you sing psalms and hymns to? Who would you sing spiritual songs to? Who would be there to, uh, to be able to say, hey, I saw that gratefulness in your heart. Nobody, because there would be no one another. Nobody. Right? Just take it out. This is the problem for us because this is what we do. We live very individualized, very selfish, very me-focused, very me-centered. The reality is even when we say that something is good for the good of society, what we're really saying is something is good for the sake of me who lives in that society. It's a selfish thing. It's not really for everybody else in society. It's really about me in society. Let that permeate your thinking. If you want more on that, go read Mere Christianity by, by uh, C.S. Lewis. That's where that thought comes from. And the word of Christ dwells in us richly. Gratitude towards God is what will characterize our teaching, our correction of one another, and the wisdom that we speak to one another. When the word of Christ dwells in us richly, gratitude towards God is what will fill our praises and our worship. And the word of Christ is the centerpiece of hearts that are overflowing around the edges with gratitude towards God. This is why I say that the new person is filled with gratitude towards God. If you're a new person in Christ Jesus, your heart ought to be, ought to be filled with gratitude towards God. That's the overflow of the word of Christ. When I, here's another argument from C.S. Lewis, just to make this point more. When I drop this cough drop, what ought it to do? Okay, because I'm deaf, you'll have to yell at me. Yeah, it'll fall, right? What do you think it's going to do here in a minute? How do you know that's true? How do you know it's going to fall? We've done it, with a million other things. it ought to fall, right? It's going to fall, right? What if I told you that what you believe to be true about that is not true? I have a different truth for you. <laughs> what would you say? Wrong, the drugs went to my head this morning, right? <laughs> right? The, the flipping drugs that I'm taking for this nasty ear infection went to my head. What, what do you think the percent chance is that when I drop this cough drop, it's going to hit the floor? 100%. It's going to do what it ought to do, right? Watch. Amazing. <laughs> Does that freaking blow your mind or what? Now, when I say that you and I ought to walk out of here and be filled with gratefulness towards God, what will you and I do? There's a difference between you and I and the cough drop. We don't do what we ought to do. The word of Christ is the centerpiece of hearts that overflow with gratitude towards God. When I, when, I, when I see in my own heart and life that thankfulness and gratitude is not there, it's not what's overflowing, when I'm grumpy, pissed off, angry, sad, what's happening is my heart is not doing what it ought to do. 
because it's not full of what it ought to be filled with. Oh, to be more like the cough drop that hit the floor just now and be able to do what I ought to do. Apostle Paul says, man, things that I ought to do are not the things that I do. It's actually the things that I ought not to do that I actually do. Notice also, as you look at this uh, verse 16, notice the language of living value. It's a phrase that I kind of put together as I studied it, just popped into my head. Hopefully it serves you well. The language of living value that Paul uses in verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ live in you, dwell in you, live in you. Let the word of Christ not only live in you, but let it live in you richly with great value. Living value. The question I think for all of us is this, like how and when? Write that down. How and when? How do we let the word of Christ take up living value in our hearts? How do you become the person whose bucket is underneath the rich overflow of God's word daily? How, how do you become that person that's overflowing so the pump handle is up and on and flowing into your heart? How do you become that person? And when will you know that you are that person? It would be easy for any of us to say, eh. I think that's a cough drop because Joe said it's a cough drop. How will you know? Well, the cough drop, you can read it or you can put it in your mouth, which is what I'm going to do, keep myself from coughing all over the place. How will you know? How will you fill your heart up with the living and rich Word of God? And then how will you know when you're actually doing that? It's easy for any of us to put on our good Christian faces. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? I've been reading my Bible lately. It's good. Memorizing some passages. Right? How you doing today, brother? Well, I'm doing, right. I'm doing great. It's easy for us to put on our Christian face and pretend. How will you really know? And hand, how will you do it? How do you let the word of Christ take up living value in your heart? And how will you know that the word of Christ has taken up a living value, dwelling richly in you? How will you make it happen? How will you know when it does happen? And listen, <coughs> before I get into answering the question, I think I probably laid it out there enough so that you guys understand the two questions. It's not like there's a destination here anyways. The only destination you and I have is heaven. You will not reach a place of completeness where you're like, oh, bingo, I got it. Start on my chart. I'm there. I read me enough Bible this week. The Bible is richly dwelling in me this week. I arrived. Nate, you need to catch up. Right? We're not, that's not going to happen. And in fact, when that happens and you begin to think that way, that's when you know you became a Pharisee, right? That's when you know. And here's the problem. When you get there, you probably won't know because you'll be so deceived. You're going to need somebody in community to come kick the crap out of you. That's probably when you want community quite a bit. To so save you when you're dangling from a cliff. So back to the question. 
how and when. How do you do this? When will you know that you're doing it? Not when, you, when will you know that you have done it or completed it like a task on a, on a check sheet. How will you know when you're doing it? And how will you do it? I think the answer to both questions is the same. <laughs> the answer to both questions is the same. I believe that the way that we let the word of Christ take up living value in our hearts is also the way that we know that the word of Christ is taking up living value in our hearts. Everybody severely confused right now? Tracking with me? I, if I don't, okay. Yep, you're either asleep or tracking. We'll pretend like you're tracking. <laughs> I felt a little bit twisted up as I was working my way through these thoughts too. So if it's the drugs, it's the drugs. I hope it's the text. Look at it. Paul tells us that we let the word of Christ take up living value in our hearts by what? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Question, is your teaching and your admonishment, which would be your teaching and encouragement or correction of one another, is it filled to the brim with the word of God? If it's not... You're lacking. Is the wisdom that you claim to have, is it overflowing with the word of Christ? Does the music of your heart and your soul ooze with the word of Christ? Is your heart full of complaining? Is your heart full of anger? Is your heart full of lustful desire? Or is it full of the word of Christ? And is it evidenced in the way that you teach and admonish and give wisdom? And in the things that you sing deep down inside? Because as those things happen, as you're teaching and as you're admonishing and as you're correcting and as you're encouraging and as you're communicating wisdom and as you're singing to one another, which Eric and Brandon are obviously going to do from now on when I make a phone call, as those begin to be filled with the word of Christ, which is the word of God, which is the scriptures, which is the Bible. As your words begin to be filled with those, therefore, then your heart will also be filled with those. That's why I say, how? Get your Bible out and read it. There's no other practical advice that a preacher could give you in these moments. Stop making your excuses. Get your Bible out and read it. Turn your TV off every once in a while. Take your cell phone and flush it down the toilet every now and then. Well, don't do that because that will cost you a lot of money. But it sure sounded good and I hope it got your attention. Take your computers and stick them under the bed. And get your Bible out. And get your nose down in the pages and start wrestling prayerfully with what it says. Well, the excuse might be like, I don't really understand it very well. Ask the Lord to give you understanding. If there's one thing I believe, He will give you understanding about His Word. Trust me. Spurgeon said that there should be ink on our noses. From having our noses in the Scriptures. This gratitude towards God that we're talking about. It's the overflow of the word of Christ taking up living value, dwelling richly in you. Ask yourself, what is alive in your heart today? What dwells inside of you today? Is it the word of Christ? 
Does that have living value in your heart and your soul? Is it evidence in your teaching, your encouragement, the daily rhythms, the wisdom, singing songs in your life? If there's lacking there, start studying and teaching, giving wisdom and singing songs that are saturated with the word of Christ. Finally, point number three, very quickly, <coughs> so I can get us out of here. <clears throat> Gratitude towards God will, will overflow into everything that you do. Gratitude towards God will overflow into doing everything in the name of Christ. Verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Whatever you do, not, hey, some things you do. Whatever you do, it's a, it's, a, it's a longer way of saying everything you do. Whatever you do, in word or in deed. Now he gives us descriptors. Well, what does everything mean? Well, everything in word or deed. Everything you can say or do. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, it's through Christ that we are enabled to give gratitude towards God. If you and I have hearts that are ruled by the peace of Christ, if the word of Christ dwells in our hearts, then everything we say or do will be seasoned. Think of that word. Seasoned with a deep sense of gratitude towards God. When I eat a big fat juicy steak, I like to put a little bit of seasoning on it. So what our lives should be like. Seasoned with gratefulness towards God. Every word we speak then would be seasoned with gratitude. Every action we take would then be motivated by gratitude. Everything we think, say, and do would be done out of gratitude towards God because we will desire to represent the name of Christ in everything that we think, say, or do. We want to rep represent Him as our Savior, our Lord, our King, the one who surrendered His life, gave His life. If you and I spend time in the shadow of the cross of Christ, we will want to do and say what we ought to do and say. Thankfulness towards God would be obvious to everyone around us. And the footprints that you would leave in people's lives and in our community would be that of a person who is new, whose heart overflows with gratefulness towards God because the peace of Christ rules your heart, because the Word of God dwells richly in you, then all of your life, word or deed, would give evidence to the Christ that you claim to believe. Because He is the one who makes you new. Are you a new person? Are you a new person whose gratitude towards God overflows into every arena of your life? Does the peace of Christ rule your heart or are you constantly filled with conflict and anxiety? Does the word of Christ dwell richly within the hallways of your heart or are you filled with deceitful and sinful and shameful desires? Does every word and action of your life represent Christ or are you consumed with selfishness and sin? When you 
sing songs to the Lord as we're getting ready to do here in a few moments? Are you more consumed with you and how you sound and how you look? Or are you just more concerned with Christ himself who gave himself for you, which then enables you to worship him, to praise him without reservation? Does every word and action of your life represent Christ? Or are you consumed with selfishness and sin? I firmly believe that what God is calling each of us to, after the reading and the preaching of this text, is calling every one of us to be a new person. A new person in Christ Jesus, whose lives overflow with gratefulness and gratitude towards God, because our lives are ruled by the peace of Christ, filled with the word of Christ, enabling us to do everything in the name of Christ. This is the portrait of the new person that the Apostle Paul paints for us. This is what Christ offers you as you come to Him and trust in Him and say, I am imperfect. I have missed the mark in every count. I, my heart has been ruled by other things. There are things living and dwelling inside of my heart and life which are not the Word of God. And I am living in ways that are not grateful towards God, living in ways that are not bringing honor to the name of God. Therefore, I trust in you, Jesus, to come and to save me and change me. That is what must now rule your life. And it's the challenge I leave you with. Is that who you are? New person in Christ Jesus. Let me pray as our music team comes and leads us. Father, thank you privilege that it is to preach your word. I thank you for this portrait of the new person that the Apostle Paul has given us. Thank you for this word of what it means and what it looks like to be people who are filled to overflowing like buckets under a pump. Help us to be ruled by the peace of Christ. Help us to be people who desire to have the word of Christ dwell and live actively among us and help us to continue becoming people um, people whose lives uh, emanate with, with you and bring honor and glory to you help us to be those people and as we turn now to a time of communion and worship, pray God that you would soften our hearts help us to rush to the cross Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. As we close, um, we'll partake in communion. There will be two of us near the front to serve you the elements. And the easiest way that we do this here in this space is that uh, to use the outside aisle edges, kind of, um, to come forward and then filter back to your seats from there. Um, as you come and partake in communion with us, um, this is just for people that are believers. Um, that could happen for you in these moments. Could have become a believer as you listen to preaching. And if that's you, could have happened this last week. Doesn't matter when, three years ago or 30 years ago. Um, as we do this, we are in effect rehearsing the gospel of Jesus' body and blood broken and poured out on our behalf so that we can come and be part of the family and be made right. 
so that we have the opportunity to have our hearts ruled by the peace of Christ, so that we can have the opportunity to have the word of Christ dwell in us, so that we can then have the opportunity to ask him to empower us to live in ways that do bring honor to his name. That's why we do this, is to apply the gospel to our lives after hearing the preaching of the gospel. So I encourage you to come. Um, if you're a believer, don't have to be a member of the church or anything like that. Um, and then uh, if you need any prayer, if you like to discuss some things, there'll be a few of us who'll stay near the front. I would love to serve you that way. Um, so let's, uh, let's stand and worship together and engage in communion. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.